Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Today we complete our five-part Wednesday evening series entitled Beyond the Doors. In this series, we have journeyed through the doors of our church and learned how to represent Christ in society. With the final part of the series entitled The Door of Serving, here is Pastor Mitch Rose. five of a series called Beyond the Doors, and uh, this is the final week of this series, Beyond the Doors. We're talking about how to get beyond the church doors and what happens when you get beyond the church doors. How many of you know that church is more than just what happens on Sunday and Wednesday? Listen close. If this is all you know about church, you are missing the bulk of church. It's like an iceberg. If all you know is what you see above the surface, you're missing the iceberg. The, the, the most of the mass is underneath the water that you can't see. Most of the mass of Christianity is not what happens inside these four walls. Most of the mass of Christianity and following Jesus is what's happening on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday till about, well, you can even fight till about 725 or so whenever your family gets here, you know, and then Thursday and Friday and Saturday. That's when Christianity's tested. That's when we have to have some tools for living. Jesus did not save you for Sunday and Wednesday. Jesus did not save you for Sunday and Wednesday. He saved you and He saved me so that we would have abundant life Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then on Sunday we just get together and we tell everybody else who who didn't know they get to God's presence. We say, by the way, this is why we're so happy at work, right? When, When you come to church with me, you'll realize why I'm so happy all the time at work. Amen? All right. If you're not happy at work, it doesn't matter. So we're in the... In the fifth week of this series, we talked about forgiveness, we talked about prayer, we talked about celebration. And tonight I am concluding this message series uh, talking about a topic that I love, the door of serving. I love talking about this and I kind of want to take a uh, 30,000 foot view, I love preaching this way, a 30,000 foot view of the idea of serving and uh, sort of a high plane. Can you, can you kind of sit up straight and just kind of get ready to go a little bit higher when we talk about serving, Okay. Let me tell you what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to guilt you into volunteering anywhere. Let's get that out of the, out of the bag, okay? If you're not volunteering and serving, it's not because you don't know to do it. It's because you don't want to do it. And somebody telling us over and over and over what I'm supposed to do doesn't mean... My, my daughter's is almost four years old. She knows what not to do. Me telling her over and over again isn't changing what it is that she knows or doesn't know to do. It's just a matter of whether she wants to or not, right? It's just a matter of whether we, we have dis, we've either disciplined enough or, or we've instilled in her enough that she makes the right choice. So it is with Christianity. Most of the time, you know what to do. I know what to do. I know the decision. Most of the counseling that we do as pastors is sitting with people who know what it is that they're supposed to do. They just want a preacher to give them an out, Right? <laughs> They just, want somebody, they just want somebody to say, no, it's not going to be that hard when it's going to be that hard. They just want somebody to say, no, you don't have to fight for it when you've got to fight for it. You've got to dig it out. So you know what to do. So I'm not going to tell you about serving. I'm going to, t- I'm going to talk about serving on a whole lot different plane. We're going to go a little bit higher than that. And um, I want you to dig in deep for that. I hope you're taking notes tonight. We're going to talk about a word, a central word. It's kind of, it's, to be honest with you, it's become a four-letter word in, in leadership circles and in church circles. And I want you to write this at the top of your notes if you're taking notes. I'm going to talk about power tonight. Power. Power has become this dirty word in circles of leadership and in circles of, of help and, 
and even maybe on your job and maybe in your own vernacular, sort of in your life, the word power has this sort of negative connotation. Let me be honest with you. Whether you're willing to admit it or not, or whether you're comfortable with it or not, everybody in this room, listen close, everybody in this room is leading somebody. Some of you are leading large organizations. Some of you are the boss uh, on your job. Some of you, there are people who report to you. Some of you are employers, and and there are people whose future is dependent on you. It, It doesn't really matter if you're leading your department, or you're leading the whole company, or listen close, or you're just sitting at your kitchen table leading your two teenagers, right? Everybody's leading somebody. Say amen to that. Everybody's leading somebody. And leadership, whether you want to know this or not, if you're leading and everybody here is leading somebody, if you're leading, then you have power. Power. Now, we like to use the word influence. It's a much softer word. Brother Larry, I use the word influence when I'm in in leadership circles and when I meet with church teams and I talk about about leadership, I I use the word influence because it sounds less abrasive. But the truth of the matter is influence is just power. It's another word for power. It's about power. If you're leading someone and everybody here is leading someone, you have power. If you can go in tomorrow to the office and you can fire someone who is depending on the paycheck that they get at your job to pay their bills and tomorrow you can go in and stop that paycheck, that, my friend, is called power. If you can decide the, the, the destiny of people, if you're establishing benefits and policies and rules, if you're helping make decisions for anybody, anywhere, in any situation or circumstance, you have, everybody say power. power. Now, I know you don't like to talk about it. It makes you feel terrible. You just feel negative when you talk about it. I just want to slump down in my seat because power is sort of that word that we just shy away from and we shy away from talking about it. We shy away from... If you're just leading your family, husbands and dads, listen... Single moms, if if you're just leading your household, you have the power to shape the destiny of your children. Say amen to that. You have power, remarkable power. The Bible says that the power of life and death are are where? Yeah, in, in the words that you speak. It's powerful. Everybody here is leading somebody. And that means everybody here has power. So the question is not... Do I have power? Am I powerful? The question is not, uh, I don't think I have power. I I don't think, I feel powerless. That's not the question. You have power over something and someone. Here's the question I want you to write down. What am I doing with the power that I have? What am I doing with the power that's been entrusted to me? How do I use the power? More specifically, if you're a Christian here, and I assume on a Wednesday night, and it's cloudy and rainy, and it's never that way in Austin. If you came to church tonight, you're a Christian. I'm just, I'm assuming that. Right? All the non-Christians are laid up, sleepy, because it's rainy outside. Right? If you're a Christian, your real question should be this. How am I honoring God with this power? It should be, how am I using the power I've been given to honor God, to exalt Jesus in my life? How am I? Here's, here's, here's the, kind of the overarching question. The, the question is, how do I bring glory to God through this? How am I honoring God? If I own a business, if you own a business, if you're over a, a department, if you're over a company, if you're over a family, if, if you do anything at all that involves another human being, you have power. And the question is, how am I using that power to honor God? Now listen, the government knows that people with power tend to corrupt. It's interesting because the government has power. Anyway, that's why the government, if you're a business owner, if you're a small business owner or a large business owner or, or, or you're in leadership in your company, would you just raise your hand? 
You're in leadership in any way in your company. Supervision. Look, at, look around. Leaders. A house full of leaders. I knew that was true. If you're in leadership in any way, the government has rules in your business that governs what you can do to employees, how you can treat employees, how much you have to pay them, how many hours they can work, what kind of regulations you can have. OSHA decides what your building can look like, how it is that you have to climb ladders, not climb ladders, whatever it is you're supposed to do, right? Here's why. Because the government knows that with power, there is a propensity in me to be corrupt and to sort of skirt around the rules, and to do something else to get around that because I have the power to do that. So the government says, we're going to put rules and regulations. In church, we do it different than that. We kind of, we kind of we dress it up. We don't do rules and regulations. We form committees. And, and, and we say, hey, look, we don't want to give one person all the power, so we'll, we'll form a team. Team is a new word for committee. We'll, we'll form a team and we'll do team-based ministry here and we won't give any one person. Here's why. Because we think that given power that it, it's possible for you to be corrupt because power sort of does that. It goes to your head and, and you think, man, I've got power over people and how I use that power. And, am I making any sense? Yeah. Okay. Everybody's got it. Amen. Everybody here has it. I have to, I, you have to know this or nothing else we're going to talk about tonight makes sense. Everybody here's got it. And, and the question is not, do I have it? The question is, am I using it to honor God? Here's a better way to frame the question and here's kind of the question we're going to land on for the whole night. I want you to write this down at the top of your page. I'll put it on the screen for you. What do you do when it dawns on you that you're the most powerful person in the room? What do you do when it dawns on you that you're the most powerful person in whatever room you're in? What do you do, leader, when you walk into the office and you realize you're the most powerful person in that corner office? What do you do, supervisor, when you walk into the factory and you realize on that line you're the most powerful person? The decision you make is the decision that goes. Dad, what do you do when you walk into the family and they're staring at you and you're trying to decide about taking another job that moves you out of the, out of the state or moves you into another church or it takes you away from your family and your teenagers are looking at you? Listen to me. What do you do when it dawns on you that you're the most powerful person in the room? What do you do when you realize that the power that I have in this moment as a leader, in whatever scenario that I'm leading, my family, my marriage, my company, the division of my company, this small two or three people that just look to me, a ministry, some of you are serving here in ministry, what do you do when it dawns on you? I'm the most powerful person. All eyes are on me now. All eyes are on me. I can tell you, listen close, it's in these moments that leadership, legacy is determined. It's in, how you respond, listen close, how you respond in these moments. I told you we're going to be real high. I told you to sit up straight, didn't I? In these moments, you're going to define the legacy of your leadership. Now listen close. I want you to hear what I'm saying. Some of you have a family legacy of poor leadership. So your dad and your granddad and your mama and grandmama and aunts and uncles were alcoholics and abusive and verbally abusive, and there was molestation run rampant in your homes, and it's, it's just awful, it's a terrible family tree, and it's, it's a terrible legacy. Here's why. Because at some point in your family tree, somebody had to answer the question, what do I do when I realize I'm the most important person in the room, the most powerful person in the room? And for some of you, they took advantage of that. And they abused that power. And they misused that power. For some of you, that's all that you know in your family. For some of you, that's all you know about church. 
You were in a church scenario that the most powerful person in the room, the guy at the front of the room or the preacher or the guy leading the ministry or leading the organization was a powerful person and that person abused the power that they had for you. Now, whether you know this or not, listen, the legacy that you now have for leadership and spiritual authority is negative because of the decision that was made by a leader, by someone who mistreated you who misused the power that God had given to them. Are you tracking with me? Say amen. Amen. So answering this question is so vital for us. And to end five whole weeks of what do I do when I leave these doors? How do I act when I walk out of here? I have to act in prayer. I have to act in forgiveness. I have to act in celebration. I have to act in hospitality. But listen, the real question I've been asking you, we've been asking you for five weeks is this. What do you do when it dawns on you? that you're the most powerful person in the room? What do you do when you realize that all the eyes in the boardroom are on you? What do you do when you realize that your family's looking at you ready for you to lead them spiritually, Dad? What do you do, single mom, when you realize there's no man to make the decision? Mama's got to do it. If the babies are going to come to church, it's because I'm going to get up and bring them. I'm not going to drop them off. I'm going to bring them. Right? What do you do when you realize you're the most powerful person in the room? Now, let me take a sidebar right here. Everybody just draw an arrow on the right side of your paper because this has nothing to do with everything else. (laughs) There's some of you in the room tonight, listen, who have seen leadership so abused, listen close, in whatever capacity that you've seen it abused, a a, a father figure, a grandfather, an uncle, a preacher, A boss, a manager, a supervisor, a leader. You have seen leadership so abused. You have seen power so abused. You've seen people answer this question so perverted and so gross. Listen, that God is calling you to lead and you're scared to lead because of what you've seen in other people's leadership. Hang on, hang on, don't clap. Don't clap because I want you to get it. Listen. Some of us, God is calling us to a higher place. God is calling us to lead on our jobs. God wants to entrust us with more power, but you know it's the calling that God has on you, but you're scared to step into power because of what you saw someone do with power. You're scared to have kids because you don't want to wind up like your daddy. I have a friend... Who, they were married for 10 years. Brandy and I were married for 10 years before we had children. It's because we, we couldn't have children. We came to Austin thinking that we couldn't have children. For 10 years we had tried. We'd had several miscarriages. We couldn't have children. And, and, and we get here. I don't know what it is. I think it's the miraculous work of the Spirit. God gave us two healthy children. Listen. My advice to you is you can have kids here, so be careful. Listen. Listen, listen, listen. I have a friend who, they were married 10 years. They, they didn't have kids not because they couldn't. They didn't have kids because the, the husband was, was abused horribly by his father. And in his mind, if I have kids, if I step up to this leadership role, then I'm going to be just like my daddy. And so his marriage suffered. And it went through a terrible, rocky time. Now they have a beautiful baby. And God's blessed him. He's an incredible father. But some of you, God is calling you to leadership. And because of the abuse of power that you've seen, some of you, God is calling you to spiritual leadership. And because of the abuse of power that you've seen in churches and in other spiritual leaders, you're not willing to lead. You're not willing to step up to what God's called you to do. Some of you on your job, God's uniquely gifted you and qualified you and to step out and to lead and God wants to give you more power. But you're scared to take the power 
Because I've seen people answer this question so wrong and abuse it so much that I would just rather not do it. Now listen, here's what I want you to know. This is the sidebar. Tonight, I want to break you free from that. I want you to know that God's called you and gifted you with power. And the question is not what. The question is now, what do I do with the power that I have? What do I do? What do you do when it dawns on you that you're the most powerful person in the room? And so we're going to look at a New Testament story tonight in just a couple of moments. And this is really a popular New Testament story. If you've been around the Bible a long time, John 13. If you have a Bible or maybe on your smart device, a tablet or a smartphone, why don't you turn there real quick? Or you could just text your friends, I don't know what you're looking at. (laughs) You're just staring at your phones. I don't know. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Somebody just texted me when I said that. John 13, we're going to look at a, a famous passage of Scripture. We're going to answer this question, then we're going to go home. We're going to close this series. We're going to have a big fall fest next week. It's going to be a great time. If you really look at this passage and you really look at this story, I think, I think it holds the, question, the answer to this question. I think it holds in the answer to how I'm supposed to handle power that I've been given, how I'm supposed to lead my family. How I'm supposed to lead others on my job. How I'm supposed to lead other. How I'm supposed to lead my children. How I'm supposed to lead my wife. Listen. How I'm supposed to lead in my business and in, in, in my department. I really think it. I really think it holds the answer to that. So the story that we're going to look at happens on Thursday, of Passion Week, and Jesus is about to be crucified on Good Friday, and you, you know the story, the Easter story, and and so he's in the grave three days, and then. Uh, he raises from the dead. But this is on Thursday. And he's having the last meal that he's having with his disciples, the people that he has brought around him, the people that are closest to him, the people, listen close, the people that know him the best are now sitting around him. Listen. The people who know him the best are now close to him. The people who know when he loses his temper, the people who know when he has the opportunity to lose his temper. The people who know how he treats people when no one's looking, when the crowds aren't looking, they know how he talks about people. These are the men who have watched Jesus. These are men probably in their 20s at this point. Jesus is only 33, so it's probable that he got these men in their 20s and he was in his late 20s when he began forming these relationships. These are young men who knew Jesus closely and now they're gathered around him very closely. And things are about to go crazy and the world's about to change completely and this is sort of where we pick the story up. They're sharing a meal together, John 13 and 1. It was just before the Passover festival. And Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. I want you to look in this last line. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Underline that in your Bible. If you don't underline in your Bible, highlight that or... Rewrite that down. I want that, I want that particular passage to stand out to you. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. In other words, listen. In other words, this was the end of the road for Jesus' leadership. Listen. This was the end of the road. And the Bible is saying he's about to show his true test of love. The Bible's saying he has loved them his whole life, but he's at the end right now. This is the end of his leadership. This is the legacy-leaving moment. Listen to me. This is the legacy-leaving moment. This is the moment that will define how these men now remember Jesus. 
This is the moment that they'll hearken back to. Unfortunately, some of them will forget the miracles. Some of them will forget the talks. Some of them will forget the sermons. But this is the moment they will not forget. This is the moment that Jesus is about to show His and exemplify His love like never before. Verse 2. And the evening meal was in progress, which is always my favorite time of the day. And the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Verse 3. And Jesus, listen close, listen to the words. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under His, say the word. Come on, say the word again. Power. Jesus knew it dawned on Him that all things were under His power. Now, I don't know all that's going on here. I don't pretend to know all that's happening in this passage. But here's what I do know. That in a few hours, Jesus is going to be arrested. And and a few hours after that, he's going to be beaten beyond recognition. And within 24 hours, Jesus is dead in a tomb. Listen. This is the end of his ministry. This is the pinnacle of his leadership. And Jesus says this. I know it dawned on him, in verse 3, it dawned on him that the Father had put Everybody say, all things. Everything under His power. In that moment, Jesus knew, I'm the most powerful guy at the table. Not only am I the most powerful person at the table, I'm the most powerful person in the whole world. Not only am I the most powerful person in this world, but I'm the most powerful person in any world. The Bible said the Father had put all things under His power. So now at some point, for whatever reason in this passage, it dawns on Jesus that everything seen and unseen is now under His power. He's the most powerful person in any room that He is in. Now listen, 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 listen. Now what do you do? Now what do you do next? Because your next move when you realize that you're the most powerful person in the room, will define your leadership. Dad, listen to me. Your next move, when your kids are looking at you saying, what are we going to do next, Dad? Your next move, Mom, when your kids are looking at you, single mom saying, how are we going to weather this? Your next move will define the legacy of leadership. Boss, listen to me. Supervisor, listen to me. Leader, everybody's leading somebody. Listen to me. The answer to the question, when you realize, when it dawns on you that you're the most powerful person in the room, how you answer next is the legacy of leadership in your life. It's the thing people are going to talk about at your funeral. It's the thing people are going to remember. They're not going to remember all the meals you cooked for them, Daddy, Mama. They're just not. They're not going to remember all the nights you stayed up. My, My little kids have allergies. Do your kids have allergies? Jesus, I wish we'd have a miracle night. So just for allergies, just whoever is a faith healer for allergies. They're not going to remember all the nights you stood up with them with allergies, snotting and sneezing and coughing and carrying on. They're not going to remember any of that. Here's what they're going to remember. When, when I had the opportunity, when it dawned on me I was the most powerful man in the room, what did I do? What's the very next thing I did? How did I shape their destiny? Listen, supervisor, when all eyes are on you around the board table, listen, on the line, when you go back in, your department, wherever it is that you work, and all eyes are on you, what are you going to do next? How are you going to, when you're finally promoted to regional director or team leader or stepfather or mama, when you finally get a little baby you've been believing God for, what are you going to do when it dawns on you? 
that you're the most powerful person in the room. And this is where Jesus is. It has dawned on him that all power is now under his feet. In verse 4. So, listen. So, here's the answer. So, he got up from the meal. And he removed his outer clothing. The, the, The real translation there is the cloak that he wore that showed he was a rabbi. It was a rabbinical outer clothing. It was the thing that symbolized his authority. The Bible said he removed his authority and he wrapped a towel around his waist. Now listen, I want you to get this story. Listen to me. Jesus just realizes he's the most powerful person, not in the room, not at the table, not in Jerusalem, not in Israel, in the whole world. And the next move he makes is he takes off his authority and he puts on a towel around his waist. That's not it. He puts a towel on around his waist. And I'm sure his disciples were thinking, what in the world are you doing? This is the end of the road for you. This is the end of the line for you. You've already said you're going to die soon. This is our last meal together. And you're taking off your authority and your power. And you're setting that aside. And you put a towel around you. I can see what's going through their minds. What do you do? And this is what Jesus does. He takes off authority. And he puts on a towel in verse 5. Keep reading. Look at your Bibles. And after that, he poured water in a basin. And one by one, the most powerful man in the world who has ever lived and will ever live again knelt in front of his brothers with a towel around his waist and his authority laid to the side. And the Bible says, and he washed their feet. Now listen to me. Listen. Listen to me. Listen. Don't lose this. Listen to me. The answer to your question, what do you do when it dawns on you that all eyes are on me? How you respond next is so important. And how Jesus responded was to serve. He set aside authority and he served. And his disciples were stunned. They were blown away. His disciples were absolutely flabbergasted. Let me ask you, look at me. When's the last time your family was stunned at your humility? When's the last time the people that you lead were stunned at how humble you were? When's the last time the people on your job were stunned at your humility? Their eyes popped open and they said, I can't believe, this is the boss, this is the leader, this is the guy who can make all the decisions, this is the most powerful person in the room, this is daddy, he's usually beating me right now. And he takes off his authority and he puts a towel on and he's washing my feet. Listen, how he's stunned. When's the last time people in your circle of influence were stunned at your humility? Were stunned when they saw you cry? were stunned when they saw you serve in humility. When's the last time? His disciples were stunned, and so Peter speaks up. Peter spoke up all the time. Verse 6 says, He came to Simon Peter, and he said to them, Simon Peter said to Jesus, 
Are you really going to wash my feet? You're kidding me. Jesus, just two days ago, two chapters ago, two chapters ago, you took these same hands that are in this filthy water, touching my filthy feet, and you opened up blind eyes. You're the most powerful man I've ever met. Just two chapters before this, you you took the hands that are now at my feet, my filthy, dirty, disgusting feet, and you put those on a dead man, and he came back to life. Listen, you're the most powerful person in the room. You're the most powerful person I've ever met. You're the most, you're God come in the flesh to us. We've touched the face of the eternal God. You're going to wash my feet. Jesus answers. When he had finished washing their feet, he put his clothes back on, put his authority back on, put the outer garment, that rabbinical garment back on, takes the towel off, and he returns to his place. I love that. Listen, he didn't leave his place of leadership. He went right back to his place of leadership. He returned to his place, and he said this, Do you understand what I've done for you? Everybody shake your head this way. Nope. Nope, we do not. The disciples were used to shaking their head no. They didn't understand a lot of what he did. Most of the New Testament, the disciples are scratching their head and Jesus is doing all kind of crazy stuff and they're thinking, I don't know what in the world he's doing right now. Verse 13 says, you call me teacher. We're almost done because I'm I'm, I'm hungry. Listen, 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 listen close. You call me teacher, and you call me Lord. And is this okay? Are you okay? You with me? All right. You call me teacher, and you call me Lord, and rightly so, for that's what I am. He did not shirk his responsibility as a leader. He did not set aside his responsibility and role as a leader. Verse 14, now that I, your Lord and teacher, I want you to, in, I want you to insert who you are. Now that I, the father of this family, now that I, the husband of this marriage, Now that I, the single mom who's leading this house, now that I, the regional manager, now that I, the team leader, now that I, the shift supervisor, now that I, the leader, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. For I have set, everybody underline, an example that you should do as I have done for you. Jesus just moves right along from Peter's question. He just sort of goes right along with it. And he says, listen... This is an example for you. When you get in a situation, listen, look at me, listen. When you get in a situation where it dawns on you that you're the most powerful person in the room, what you do next, guys, will define the legacy of your leadership. It will define how your kids look at you. It will define how the people that work for you continue to work for you. It will define how it is people serve you, how it is people that are supposed to be following you are following you. Listen, let me just pause. and t- If they won't follow you, it may be because you're not leading them. Jesus said, I've set an example for you, that when you get in a situation, I've just given you an example, when all eyes are on you, and you're the most powerful person in the room, this is what you do. You serve. You serve. You serve. Verse 16, Jesus says, Verily, truly, I, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master or his uh, messenger is greater than the one who sent him. In other words, James and Peter and Andrew, listen to me, guys. 
There's going to come a day when it dawns on you that you're the most powerful person in the room. When you're the person with authority. When you're the person with power. When you're the person with influence. People are going to sit at your feet because you sat at my feet. People are going to want to be around you because you were around me. And you're going to have remarkable power to heal and to preach and to proclaim the gospel. And people are literally, you're going to walk by people and your shadow is going to heal them. You're going to have remarkable power. Listen. Listen to me. Listen to me. You're going to have remarkable power. And when you get power, what you do next matters. Listen, listen, listen. The Bible says, Jesus ascended into heaven and he said, I want you to go back to Jerusalem and wait until you are endued with How you act with the power that you have in the Spirit will determine your legacy. Listen to me. Listen to me, Spirit-filled people, Spirit-baptized people. We have to respond to the power we've been given by serving and serving some more and serving some more and serving some more and serving some more and serving some more. We got to... We got to serve. We got to serve. We got to serve. When it dawns on you that you're the most powerful person in the room, this is what you do. That's what you do. When it dawns on you, you're the most powerful person in the room. You serve. Come on, Randy. You serve. You serve. You serve. You serve. You serve. That's what you do. When it dawns on you, I know all of you think, oh, it's over with. It's not over with. It's not over with. I just like to hear Randy play. That's what you do. When it dawns on you, let's finish the story. We'll go home. We'll come back next week and we'll eat a bunch of hamburgers. It's going to be great. Verse 17, my favorite part of this entire story. Now that you know these things, everybody say, he's talking to me. me. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. If you're asking God, listen to me in the last five minutes, if you don't hear anything else, hear this. If you're asking God for blessing, if you want God to bless something in your life, if that's you, would you raise your hand all over the building? I need God to bless something in my life. Keep your hand raised. Listen to me. If you want blessing, you have to do these things. You have to learn to serve people. You got to learn. You got to learn. I got to learn. I got to respond to the power that I've been given by serving, by serving, by serving my family. Listen to me, dads. When's the last time your family saw you lead prayer? Come on, mom, when's the last time your kids are looking for leadership? They're not looking for correction. They're looking for leadership. Here's leadership. Baby, I don't know what we're going to do. Let's just ask God. And you get down and you strip away your authority. And you get a towel out and you lay it over your baby's feet. And you say, I don't know what we're going to do next. But we're just going to serve each other. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to wash your feet. Husband, I don't know what we should do. I don't know if you ought to take that job. I don't know if we ought to move. I don't know if we ought to buy the house. I don't know if we ought to start the ministry. I don't know what we ought to do next. But all I know is this. Right now, all eyes are on us. And when all eyes are on us, we got to serve. 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 
If I want God to bless me, I got to serve. Tomorrow when you go into that office, if you need a blessing on your job, if you, I, I, come on, the Holy Spirit's moving right now. You know He is. Listen, listen to me. Listen to me. If you need a financial miracle and a blessing, would you raise your hand? When you go to work tomorrow, if your hand is raised, I want you to walk into that office serving people, serving people, serving people, serving people, serving your boss, serving the house, serving the people who serve, serving, serving. Why? Because if I want a blessing, the only way I can get blessed, I know the things to do. Now I got to do it. Now I got to do it. Now I got to put your hands down. Listen. If you, need, if you need a relationship to be healed, marriage or relationship with your parents or with your kids or any relationship in your life, would you just raise your hands? Come on, I need a relationship. Listen to me. The only way I know that God's going to bless your relationship is if you get down on your knees and you start serving the people that you're in relationship with. I'm going to serve you. I don't understand everything you're doing. I don't know why things are going crazy. I don't know why we've been fighting and yelling and fussing and cussing and beating and hitting. I don't know why any of that's happening. But listen, I know this. When I go home tonight, I'm going to put my towel on and I'm going to serve you, serve you, serve you. And the ultimate, the ultimate, is when I come to God's house and I get in God's presence and I come with my cart full of stuff I need God to do, prayers I need God to answer, stuff I need God to heal, stuff I need God to work out, stuff I need God to move in. God, you know, God, you know, God, you know, I need you to bless me, bless me, bless me. I tell you what I'm going to do on Sunday morning. You're going to find me here early. I'm going to put my towel around my waist. I'm going to say, God, I don't know how it's going to happen, but I'm here to serve. I'm here to serve. I'm here to serve. I'm here to serve. That's how you get blessed. That's how the blessing comes. I got to finish. I got to finish. I got to finish. In just a few days, Jesus is crucified, buried, raises from the dead, ascends to heaven. And then the power of the Holy Spirit comes back in the upper room. You know that? The power of the Holy Spirit comes back. And these apostles who had now been with Jesus, who had walked beside Him, now He's living inside of them. And they have power. Listen, and they're rock stars. Everywhere they go, people want to be around the disciples. Every town they go to, people want to touch them. Every city they walk in, people want to be near them. And how they steward their power is so important. Now listen, I don't know how all of them, I, but pastor's better at narrative than I am. I don't know how they all died. I don't know their story at the end of their lives, but here's what I do know. Listen close. When you and I get to the New Jerusalem, listen, on the foundations of that new city is going to be written the names of the 12 who were there that night. Listen. There are 12 men who were there who heard him say, serve. And they're the names that are on the foundations of heaven. Listen, whatever you do, don't forget the night that he washed your feet. Whatever you do, guys, listen to me. Disciples, lean in close. 
You can forget the miracles. You can forget all that stuff. You may write it down wrong. Yeah, who knows what's going to happen? Who knows how you remember it? When you get, I don't want you to use this power for arrogance. I don't want you to use it for authority. I don't want you to use it for narcissism. I don't want you to be self-centered. Listen, this is how that you and I are others-centered in a selfie-centered world. Come on, guys. Our generation invented the word selfie for Pete's sake. How gross are we? Selfie. We're living in a selfie world. And God's called us to serve. When it's easier to do what I want. When it's easier to do what's about me. What's easier to do what makes me happy. It's easier to just get to church late. If I, if I serve, I've got to be there early. If I serve my husband, he, you don't know how mean he is. If I serve my wife, you don't know how hard she is to live with. If I serve my boss, he's a terrible guy. You don't know what I have to deal with. You don't know. Here's what I know. Here's what I know. Here's what I know. If you want to be blessed, you'll do these things. And I know there are 12 guys who were there that night. And when they heard him answer the question, listen, what do you do? When it dawns on you that you're the most powerful person in the room, and the answer is we serve. We serve. We serve. Stand to your feet all over the house. Take your neighbor's hand. Everybody touch his hand. And that concludes today's message. Please visit clcaustin.com for the latest news to register for an upcoming event or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal. Thank you for listening.